You are listening to the Mill Sunday School Podcast. So turn to the, the back of your Bible, Revelation chapter 1. We're studying the end times, and so I thought a good place to start would be the, the book of Revelation and the, the, the first chapter, the first couple words. So we're in this habit of not putting the scripture on the screen, so I encourage you, turn to it in the text of either your electronic Bible on your phone or the Bibles that we provide on the tables, or maybe you brought your own paper Bible. Anybody bring their own paper, actual Bible? Oh, look at all the hands. How special. It's becoming less and less because everybody's just like, oh, it's on my phone. So good for you for still bringing paper. It's more holy, I guess. I'm just... Anyways, Revelation chapter 1, verse 1 says this. The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. So a revelation from Jesus for which God gave him, who's, it's going to be John, to, to show his servants, that's us and the people living in the first century, to show the followers what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. And in this third verse is, is the verse that I uh, am encouraged by. It says, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. And this idea of blessed is the one who reads it and, and reads it out loud and, and takes these words of prophecy in. And sometimes we are often burdened by the book of Revelation. Oh, it's so hard to understand. It's, it's like a burden instead of being blessed by it. And a shout out to Erin Meadows, who's our Mill women's pastor. She, I guess, led a, a, a women's group uh, for a while and studied the book of Revelation. And one of the continuing themes was, let's be blessed when we study the end times. Let's be blessed when we study the book of Revelation, because so often we are discouraged by it. So often we, it seems like we are cursed by this book that we can't understand, but we should be blessed. So that's, let's go into prayer as we consider that thought. So Lord, we thank you for the book of Revelation. We thank you that you've given us glimpses of the end times. And God, at the end of Sunday school today, I hope that everyone in here leaves with this encouraging idea that, that you are in control, that in the end you when you have your, your plan laid out, this goal of creation, and as we talk about the end and the end times and the things to come, encourage us, Lord, um, that we might be blessed by, by reading these prophecies. And, and we love you and we praise your holy name. And everybody said, Amen. Well, I have a story for you. It's kind of a weird story or a silly story. Um, but it was back in the day when I used to live in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Shout out to New Mexicans. Anybody? New Mexican? Oh, there's. Sweet. Um, so I used to live in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and went to this really cool church called Calvary Chapel. It's a great church, uh, great denomination, Calvary, yeah! Um, great denomination, great people, a great pastor, and they were in this series. So I lived there quite a few years ago when I was going to college, and they were in this series when I was going to Calvary Chapel on the book of Revelation. And it was like a year-long series in this book of Revelation. And Calvary Chapel has a specific dispensation to how they believe the end times will happen. Uh, They were formed by a pastor named Chuck Smith, and he is a premillennial, pre-tribulation dispensationalist. If you don't know what that means, you will by the end of this month. But they have very specific terms of of what will happen in the end times that the 
that mainly the book of Revelation is laid out in this handbook and that we can interpret the codes and things like that for, for today. And so one of the sermons was on the mark of the beast, and the mark of the beast is throughout the book of Revelation. And there's quite a few guesses on what the mark of the beast could be if your interpretation of the book of Revelation is that it's a handbook for those living in the end times. Well, then you can say things like, oh, maybe UPC codes on the back of everything we buy. That's the mark of the beast. Or maybe it's... uh, uh, American money is the mark of the beast, or the euro dollar is the mark of the beast, or people just have these different guesses of what the mark of the beast could be. And one particular verse says the mark of the beast will be on your forehead and your hand. Are you familiar with that verse? And so there's guesses about what that could mean, what that could be. And anyways, right along the time, so this is back in the early 2000s when I was going to Calvary Chapel and and this year-long series on the book of Revelation. And lots of people were really into like the codes and like, ooh, this could be this and that could be this. And um, right around the same time, um, maybe you've heard of this. If you have a pet, you've probably heard of it. Um, This idea of like microchipping your dog or your cat. Anybody have a dog or cat that's microchipped? Anybody? Sweet. So it's this pretty cool, convenient thing thing that if you lose your dog, and even if they lose their collar, then you can still find your dog, like GPS tracking or some sort of radar tracking. It's like, oh, your dog is on the west end of the city. You can go get him. We got his location. And then you find your dog and your cat. How cool is that? And so some countries have even made it a requirement to get these. I think, uh, let's say I wrote down New Zealand, Japan, and parts of Australia make it, make it a requirement that your dog has to be microchipped. Anyways, Going back to when these first started becoming popular in the early 2000s, when I was going to Calvary Chapel, um, people were like, oh my gosh, that could be the mark of the beast. I mean, who's to say that, you know, your dog getting microchipped won't lead to humans getting microchipped, and they'll probably insert them in the forehead, in the hand of every person, the mark of the beast, Antichrist. Ah! Um, has anybody heard that theory before? Is it just me? Okay, look at all the hands. Okay, so it's a pretty popular theory. <clears throat> um, and it's just that, a theory. So when this came out, um, when these microchip things came out, uh, I remember a group, and it wasn't really the church. I'm not throwing the church under the bus. It was just a, quite a few passionate young people that were just like, we got to protest this thing. And so they went to like a Petco um, and like held these signs up saying, don't. Uh, don't microchip your dog. It's the mark of the beast. And they were like, like totally serious. Like this is going to lead to the end times. Don't get your dog microchipped. And they're like so passionate. I just imagine like people driving by or like the workers in the Petco were just like, what in the, these crazy Christians, are you insane? Um, and yes, I think some of them were. Um, but it's, it's, it let that story just kind of take us um, where it should um, into like, is, is the microchip of the dog, is that really the mark of the beast? Is that what we should be doing as Christians, protesting, microchipping your dog? No. That, I mean, even if it could be the mark of the beast, it's, I don't know. It's just, it seems like a very silly thing to do. And in my, anyways, so let that story be funny or silly or whatever it is to you. Um, as we start, this topic of eschatology, which we started last week, continue all this month, this topic of the end times. So, welcome to the Mill Sunday School. If you're new, we, we make everybody stand up and introduce yourself. Just kidding, we don't do that. Um, if you're new, we would love to uh, uh, 
uh, tell you more about Sunday School. The Mill is, is a college ministry here at New Life. And you don't, by the way, have to be college or 20-somethings to, to come to the Mill Sunday School. There, I know plenty of you that are younger than that, plenty of you that are older than that. Um, but we are kind of connected to The Mill, which is a Friday night college and 20-somethings ministry at New Life. And so if you've never been to that, Come check it out sometime. Uh, if you want to, you can fill out a card uh, on all your tables. should be a card or two. If you're new, you can fill it out. Bring it to the people in the back as you leave. They'll welcome you. Uh, if you want to be called or emailed, check those boxes. I will call you, email you. Uh, we'll chat about the end times or microchipping your dogs or whatever you want to talk about. Uh, anyways, we are on this very long series of systematic theology. We've taken a nine-month series and made it ten because we split up eschatology into... Uh, eschatology, by the way, is the study of the end times um, and the afterlife. So last month we talked about the afterlife and we talked about death, intermediate states, heaven, hell. And so this month we started last week and we are going to talk about the end times. And so... I have a discussion question for you. So if you're sitting at a smaller table, just jump in with a bigger table and discuss this. Because I think discussion is important. Discussion uh, is kind of a distinctive of Sunday school. We do this every week. We we talk about something um, together. and I think we can learn from each other. So the discussion question is, what comes to mind? So this should be a very easy discussion question for you. No right or wrong answer. So you personally, what comes to mind when someone says, in times? What do you picture? What do you imagine? Ready? Get set. Discuss. All right. Um, what, what comes to mind? I would love to have you just yell out some things, and I'll repeat them for everyone to hear. One word or one phrase answers. Anybody? Fire from the sky. Kurt Cameron. Yeah, did you notice that I, um, on the, on the, the notes, it's, it's not a Photoshop picture. It's me and Kurt Cameron, because we hang out all the time. And, um, no, there was, so the, he did the Left Behind series. If you're not familiar with that, then, then that's okay. Um, but he did the movie of the Left Behind series. You know, have you, how many of you read, actually read the books? Anybody read the books? There's like 50 million, 65 million copies sold of the, the End Times book. And then the movies came out. And I got my picture with Kirk Cameron. On, they had the third movie come out. It was like the screening in L.A., and I had a friend who was a radio announcer, like a DJ, and she was trying to get people to come to this screening and fill this theater. And the theater only sat like 100 people, and she couldn't get anybody to come. <laughs> so like, she was call- personally calling her friends and was like begging us to come. So I went and saw Kirk Cameron. And I was like, dude, let me get my picture. And, and like a goober, and, a, and he did. And he's like, so we, anyway, that's where the picture comes from. Anyways, um, what else? The Beast. The Antichrist. The what? Zombies? Yes. Zombie apocalypse. What did you guys say? Fire and brimstone. The rebuilding of the temple. Here's some things that... Um, so we did this. Um, we, ha- we have a meeting once a month with uh, Mill Sunday School leaders. We call it a think tank. And we get together and we chat about the month's topic to come. And I gave them this question. I said, what do you guys think about when you think uh, in times? And some people said exactly what you said. They said, the Left Behind series. Um, it's so ingrained in the books or the movie, if you saw either. It was... I mean, the books came out in like 1995 through 2007, and there's something like, is there 15 or 16 books in this series? And they sold 65 million copies. That's a lot of copies. I think if, if you wiki 
fact check me on this, uh, but The Hobbit sold something like 100 million. So 65 million is like way towards the best-selling, one of the best-selling books of all time as far as fiction goes. So that's, I mean, it's a, it was a pretty huge series that came out in the, in the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, so maybe you think of that. Maybe you think of the rapture, um, this idea of people floating up to heaven. And for some reason, Hollywood always portrays it as your clothes get left behind for some reason. And then like sometimes the fillings, like your teeth fillings get left behind. And it's just awkward. That's kind of weird. Um, but that's Hollywood's portrayal of it, at least. Uh, some of you might think of other movies like Signs. Uh, Greg Hampton showed a clip of this last week. And the, uh, the idea was that, you know, we often sometimes think of the end times as a horrible, scary events to come. And yet, like the movie Signs, spoiler alert, it all kind of ends up happening. Things happen for a reason, and it ends according to uh, a divine being or God's will. Um, and sometimes some of you think, if somebody said, what do you think of when you think of the end times? Someone said the beast. Anybody else th- say the antichrist? Um, and lots of people like to throw out guesses of who the antichrist could be. Uh, whoever the pope is, he's always the top of the list. Whoever the president of the United States is, or whoever a president of a, any country is, um, is always at the top of the list. Here, I have a picture of something I found on the internet. Uh, someone decided to make that. <laughs> I didn't make that. I'm, I just found it. Um, <laughs> but the, whoever the president is, he's always the top of the Antichrist list. Who could be the Antichrist? Whoever the president is, no matter Whatever. Anyways, uh, some of you um, at the think tank, the leaders said um, the resurrection of the dead is is what they think about when they think in times, which is what we're going to talk about at the end of Sunday school and kind of bring it back to this idea that the end times, although scary and and these things that that uh, can build fear in us, like the world ending, that's a scary thing. Um, in the end. There will be a resurrection of the dead and Christ's return, and that is a very good thing. So with all these things to think about in the end times, we need to go back to the basics and talk about open-handed and closed-handed issues, um, something we've been talking about all nine months, and now we're into the 10-month of this systematic theology course. We keep reminding ourselves, let's keep the main things the main things, the main things. And in our closed hand, we would hold things that all Christians would believe in, that Jesus is Lord, that the Bible is authoritative, that um, God is good, um, things like that, things that are the, the creedal things, things that we believe in the Nicene Creed, things that we as a church have said for years and years and we believe, and they're closed-handed. You could fit fewer things in a closed hand than you can in an open hand. But in the open hand, we would think, put things like... Um, most of the end times theology would fit into an open hand. We as Christians can have different opinions about it. We can argue vehemently. We could even debate. Um, but at the end of the day, we're friends. We're cool. It's like, well, that's your belief of the end times. Here's mine. And, and you believe the, the microchip thing. That's the, that's the mark of the beast. I think um, differently. And at the end of the day, that's okay. It's like, oh, well, we all still believe in the same closed-handed issues and that's a good thing. So this month, um, by the way, to kind of warn you, um, there's going to be a lot of open-handed issues, a lot of what we're going to be talking about um, next time and the time after. We have uh, three more weeks, I believe, left in this month, and we will talk about different interpretations of the end, and it's all going to fit into the open hand. And by the way, if you're interested in, like, what are we talking about the, the next month and the month after? Um, Next month, we're going to talk about, it'll be July, we're going to talk about uh, predestination versus free will, 
So that'll be fun to come. And that's probably an open, open-handed issue as well. There's churches and people on both sides of free will, predestination. We'll take a whole month and talk about that. And then uh, a huge open-handed issue. In August, uh, I've gotten a lot of awesome feedback from this. Uh, some people are like, why would you talk about that? But most people are like, awesome. Um, so in August, we are going to talk about conspiracy theories. <laughs> um, it's a, it'll definitely be like an elective fun topic for the month of August. And it will have to do with conspiracy theories related to Christianity and religion, not just random ones. Um, so that's a, obviously an open-handed issue. And then the month after that, September, um, we will talk about finances. And, and, and so if you're wondering what's to come of the Mel Sunday School, which is also another open-handed issue. So lots of fun stuff with um, open-handed issues. But here's a bigger idea, um, and, and maybe a closed-handed issue. What... Um, should we? So that what will maybe really happen? What are closed-handed issues for the end times? So, so as a table, I want to give you this one last discussion question. Um, what are things that everybody would agree on? And so if you bring up like, well, the microchip, that's clearly the uh, mark of the beast. Can everybody in this room, if you're a professing Christian, agree that the microchip is the mark of the beast? No. Are you heretical if you don't think the mark of the beast is the microchip dog? Um, No, that's not heretical. That's an open-handed issue. So the discussion question for you to think about at your table, and I want you to kind of play the devil's advocate with each other and, and, and be like, well, does everybody really have to believe that? So answer this question. What will really happen in the end? What's kind of a close handed issue, if any? And I think there are some, um, but what could they be? Ready? Get set. Discuss. All right. I'm sure I'm uh, cutting your conversations short. Um, but I think a good place to start is um, if I, I refer sometimes to the Nicene Creed. And if you're not familiar with that, um, it's this creed that was composed in the like, 4th century in the 300s. Bunch of Christians got together from like, the known world at the time. Christian leaders got together and said, looking at Scripture... Looking at the apostles' teaching, what do we believe? And, and they came up with this creed that's kind of famous, um, and it stood the test of time. And even today, at New Life, we often say this creed. And on our statement of belief as New Life Church, here's a, a webpage clip of it. You can go there now or later uh, if you wanted to. Go to newlifechurch.org, go to About Us, and then go to What We Believe, and you will see our statement of faith, which is... Uh, Basically, it's this, first, it's this paragraph that just says, We, uh, as New Life Church, proclaim the Nicene Creed as our statement of belief. The creed dates back to the 4th century when Christians gathered together and composed this formative and definitive statement, uh, building on earlier statements. And it's not just a creed for doctrine, it's a confession of worship. And it's basically this paragraph that says why we hold to the creed. And then, as a statement of belief, New Life Church has put the creed as what we believe, which is pretty awesome, um, I think, because it's just broad. It's a very close-handed issues. Here's what we believe as a church, and we hold together. Um, if you're a Christian, you believe these things. We as New Life, we hold to these things. You can test us with this. You can, um, we, we worship with this creed, and, and what people uh, that have gone before us have said, like, this concerning Scripture is what we believe. And so there's some statements. There's actually two statements in the Nicene Creed about the end times. 
This first statement comes towards the middle end of the creed, and it's about Jesus, who we believe Jesus is. We say he's God from God, light from light, true God from true God. We say he's begotten, he's not made, one in being with the Father. Uh, Then it gets to this line that says, he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. You've probably heard that line before if you've ever heard the creed, which so many of you have if you've been coming to New Life or another church that says the creed fairly often. He will come again. So that's something we believe. I would say that's a close-handed issue about us as what we believe. Um, How many of you said that in your groups? It's like, what's a close-handed issue? He will come again. Jesus will come. Awesome. Lots of hands. And he will judge the living and the dead, and this kingdom will have no end. So those are like, he will come again, and there will be judgment. Um, and then there will be his new kingdom, and that, that will have no end. Um, and we also believe the very last line of the Nicene Creed says this. It says, we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. So how many of you said that? It's like a, a resurrection. How many of you said at the end, we will have, there will be a resurrection of the dead. We can believe that as Christians. We can hold to that as a hope in what we can all believe. Um, that at the end, he will come again. He will judge the living and the dead. His kingdom will have no end. And there'll be a resurrection of the dead. And there'll be a life in the world to come. And so I want, I want to just break down those uh, couple points. And I want to label them as the for sures. I don't really know that that is a word or a phrase. Um, but I, we're kind of making it into, I think the correct grammatical would be the for certains. But that just doesn't, that doesn't sound right. So I would rather just say the for sures and put it in quotations. And I have five for sures. And these would be, um, if you get anything out of this lesson, um, the reminder of what we really believe as Christians, um, the for sures, is something I want you to take from this lesson. Um, I've put it in the notes of the, the, the end times five for sures. I would love it if you wrote them down and, and thought about them. Because I think so often we get all caught up on the, the not for sures, like the, ooh, Obama's the Antichrist, or the microchip dog, that's the mark of the beast. And we get really excited and passionate about these issues that probably aren't for sure. Um, so anyways, here's five for sures. We'll go one by one with these, um, and hopefully they will make a lot of sense. Um, so throughout Scripture, New Testament, and maybe even Old Testament prophecies, this idea that God will come back, Jesus will come back. And we would hold that as like a, as a close-handed issue. It's like we believe that he's coming again. Um, and and th- that's one of our great hopes. He says he's coming. The early church, uh, the apostles all say he's coming again. He will come again. Um, so that's number one. Number two is that when he comes back or somewhere surrounding the events of the end, uh, the dead in Christ will rise. And that's also a very hopeful thing, that when you die and you're laid in the grave, um, there will be a resurrection. Just like Christ, when he died, he was resurrected three days later. And it's this interesting thing of like, how was his body? Was It, it was a resurrected body. That's an interesting thing. Like he could, it seems like he could walk through walls. It seems like he also needed to eat though. It seems like he could sit and talk with his disciples. But it also seems like his disciples could touch him, like he was physical. Um, so however that ends up working out, we would broadly say as Christians, the dead in Christ, they will rise. And that is one of our great hopes. So that's another for sure. That's a close-handed issue, I think. Um, and I think everyone would agree that, that that is something we look forward to. It's something the dead in Christ will rise. That, that's our hope. Uh, so Jesus will come back. The dead in Christ will rise. 
And there will be judgment. Um, and this is, um, I think, a good thing. Oftentimes, judgment is considered like, oh, that's a bad thing. Like, oh, you're judging me. Um, but if, if a righteous judge judges you, then that's a right thing. If someone wrongs you and they are brought before a court and the judge is just like, ah, you, you know, they hurt you. They, they beat you up. You, you're, you're ugly. <laughs> Who cares? It's like, what? That's not justice. That's not judgment. Justice is a good thing. If someone beats you up randomly, maces you, kicks you, robs you, and they are brought before the judge, a good, righteous judge would judge this person, make, you, make them pay some sort of retribution. Maybe they have to spend time in jail for the sins that they did. And so judgment is a good thing. God will come back and there will be judgment. Um, number four, I just put it this way, the end of the world as we know it. Like the REM song. Anybody old enough to remember that? It's the end of the world as we know it. Um, <laughs> but there will be an end to this world as we know it. Um, and maybe there's a better way to put that that's not sing-songy like the song, because now it's really in my head. It'll probably be in your head for the rest of the day. Sorry. And then it's like lots of, anyways, it's brutal. Um, the song, at least. Um, but even scientists and non-Christians would agree with us as Christians that the world is going to end sometime. Um, scientists and astrologers, astronomists, what are they called? Astrologists? <laughs> Astronomers? Is that what they're called? Oh, man. I'm struggling up here. Um, and it, obviously... Um, People that are science-oriented, <laughs> scientists, uh, just the obvious idea that the sun will eventually go out, and that is how plants grow, that is how energy for this world, uh, the earth keeps warm, we revolve around the sun, and eventually it'll go out, can't last forever, and some scientists have put a number on it and said, well, maybe some, sometime in like four billion years, the sun will eventually go out. And most scientists are pretty sure that before that happens, there's much more likely that a huge meteorite is going to hit the earth, destroying it within the chances of all meteorites coming uh, in orbit with the earth. And so a big one will probably end up hitting the earth and destroying the earth before four billion years. I mean, just last year, um, I hopefully have my facts right on this, but a a meteor uh, DA-14 came within 15 minutes of hitting earth. And it was a pretty big one. It, it may have destroyed Earth all at once, or maybe it would have like destroyed a good chunk of Earth and then set up a, a cloud of, of smoke and dust to, to cover the Earth, and then the Earth would become cold and we would all die. Um, pretty sad to think about. Um, and so there's this reminder that the events in the future are lined up according to God's will. And this idea of eschatology has more to do with like a goal than just like, oh, a meteorite's going to hit the earth. No one knew. God didn't know. No, God knows what's going to happen. He's given us clues even on how he's coming back. Uh, and so um, anyway, anyways, there will be an end of this world as we know it. And maybe we'll talk about, uh, some Christians talk about how, well, maybe this world will be reformed and renewed, a new earth. And other Christians are like, no, this earth will be destroyed, and out of nothing, God will, will have a new world, a new earth. Well, either of those are acceptable, but the, the idea being uh, there, there will be a, a new something, and an end of this world, at least as we know it. So 
Um, that's number four. And then the fifth one uh, I've added to, to encourage us that, that no one knows when this will happen. Um, number five is we really won't know when it'll all be played out. Why do I say that? Because Jesus said that. Why do I say that? Because the Bible again and again and again says no one knows. In fact, Jesus puts it this way in Mark 13, 32. He says, about that day or hour, no one will know. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father will know when. And there's this comparison with um, how will Christ come back? How will the end look like? It will come like a thief in the night. No one knows when a thief in the night is coming. If you knew when the thief in the night coming was coming, you'd have your lights ready to turn on, you'd have 911 on speed dial, and you would have your shotgun already pumped. But no one knows when the thief in the night is coming. Um, that's kind of how, it's like unknown. You're sleeping, you sleep every night, and one night a thief will come and rob your house, and you won't know when. It's, uh, it's mysterious. That is like the coming of Christ. No one will know when. And so I, I say this as a reminder because every once in a while we need reminders that no one will know when. Um, I have up here the book, I think Greg referred to this last week, uh, 88 Reasons Why uh, the Rapture Will Be in 1988. And he goes through and he has 88 reasons. And it turns out <laughs> all 88 of those reasons <laughs> were wrong. The rapture didn't happen. And so I have... Um, collector's items. This is, I wonder if this is worth anything now. I think so. I mean, I, I wouldn't sell it. It's pretty sweet. Um, and it just goes to show, we won't know when. And, and maybe some of you remember this. Uh, this was just a couple years ago. I sent off for the bumper sticker, not to put on my car, but to have, wait, hold on. I got the, this one first. Um, the, I sent off for this bumper sticker, Judgment Day, May 21st, 2011. Do you remember this, anybody? And it made big news, and so I wrote them and asked for a bumper sticker just to have for this moment, like in the, the, after the fact. Um, it'd be sweet if I put this on my car today. It'd be like, people are like, really, bro? You need to take that off. Um, and then uh, I already, already gave away uh, this one. I have lots of other artifacts from the Y2K scare. Anybody old enough to remember that? Um, you're probably in your, if you're in your 20s, you were probably a young kid when it happened. Your parents pr- bought a generator that you probably still have in your basement. And they bought a bunch of food and like dry bags that you probably still have in your basement for Y2K. Um, and all these Christians, Y2K bug, Y2K tidal wave, Y2K equals 666, Judgment Day 2000. Um, this is like total crap, if I'm allowed to say that in church. Um, if not, I, I didn't. Um, We'll erase it from the recording later. But it's total nonsense. Um, this idea, idea that even though some people think like, oh, we, we know that he's going to come in a thief, like a thief in the night. But actually, he's going to come back in 88. Actually, May 21st. Actually, why two? No, we don't know when. So I've added that as a for sure just to encourage us. Because the next date picking uh, will come. Maybe this year, maybe next year, some um, moron will be like, oh, I know the Bible says we can't know, but I, I, I know. <laughs> he told me. He said, no, no one will know. Not even the angels know. So he's not telling you. Um, <clears throat> anyways, let's quickly talk about a bunch of not for sures. 
<coughs> this list is going to be a little longer, quite a bit longer. Um, and, and it could be even longer. I just have a couple that I wanted to bring up as not for sure's. But these are things that you are going to see up here. And you're probably going to be like, oh, uh, you're going to be passionate about your view of the end times. And you're just going to have to bite your tongue and sit on your hands and be like, yeah, you're right. Not all Christians have to believe like me when it comes to the end times on this particular issue. Um, and so hear me out on these. I'm just going to list a couple here. And uh, we're going to spend the rest of this month talking about different views of the end times. And they are open-handed issues. And they are not for sure's. Not like the ones we just mentioned. That Jesus is going to return. There's going to be judgment. There's going to, the, the dead in Christ are going to raise. There's going to be an end of this world. No one's going to know when. I think those are for sure's. Here's a bunch of not for sure's, um, if you can handle them. First one I put up um, is the idea of like an antichrist. Um, Let me explain. Um, In the book of Revelation, the word antichrist isn't there. I had to double and recheck. I triple checked the book of Revelation for for the word antichrist, and it's not in there. There's a beast, there's a dragon. But at least in my version of the English, NIV, KJV, um, there is no Antichrist in Revelation. There's Antichrist in other books of the Bible. Uh, First, Second Thessalonians. Uh, I think one of the, uh, John has um, the word Antichrist. But not in the end, not in the book, the last book, Revelation. So this whole idea that there'll be one Antichrist and it will be like, like in the, like the Left Behind series, Nikolai Carpathia, if you remember him, he was like the really bad guy, the Antichrist. Um, is there going to be one guy that, that has this, do we all have to believe that as Christians? No, there's different views of who it will be, when the Antichrist will come, if there even is a one Antichrist. In fact, John 2.18 says, uh, children, in the last hour, as you've heard, uh, the Antichrist is coming. But even now, many Antichrists, like plural, Antichrist, have come, by which that, that we know it is the last hour. So it's like, there's lots of Antichrists. There's lots of false prophets, false teachers. We need to be on our guard for those things. But we, we as all Christians don't have to agree on Obama or the current Pope or whoever being the antichrist there's just lots of views about that it's a not for sure cool beans cool beans okay so and some of you are like oh obama's the antichrist that's a for sure it's like no whether that is or it isn't it's not a for sure we don't all have to believe that um it's a theory it's it might be a good one or a bad one um it's just a theory it's not a for sure the next one is the idea of a millennium there are Christians in here. I imagine if some of you have already studied this thing, uh, some of you might even know and have an opinion whether you're pre-millennial, whether Christ comes back before the millennium, whether you're post-millennium, whether Christ comes back after this thousand, that's what millennium means, a thousand years, or whether you're a-millennial, which, which you would just say the millennium is a figurative thousand years. It's not a literal thousand years. And, and so while there's different opinions, that's okay. We can, at the end of the day, all of us in here as Christians— can agree, like, oh, well, Christ is coming back. Uh, we could agree on that. Uh, there will be judgment. We could agree on that. The dead will rise. We could agree on that, even though there's disagreements about this thousand-year reign. And by the way, in the Bible, the entire Bible, um, here's my Bible, uh, in the entire Bible, all these pages, there are only eight verses about this thousand-year reign. It's Revelation 20, 1 through 8, 
And that's where it specifically talks about a thousand-year reign of Christ. And so it's, it's a very small chunk, uh, uh, like a quarter of a page of all Scripture um, about this millennium. And there's this extrapolations upon that and different opinions, and it's not a for sure. Cool beans? When I say cool beans, you say cool beans. It's, it's, a, it's a dumb, and maybe it's a bad habit. Anyways, you don't have to say it. Um, the next one is this idea of a rapture. Um, and let me explain this one as well. The, the word rapture, you won't find in the Bible, at least not in my NIV or KJV or most, um, most English translations. You will not find the word rapture. You can go test me on that. You could type it into BibleGateway.com and see if rapture is in, in any translation. I could uh, probably guarantee that it is not. It's, it's, the idea of a rapture comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, where it says uh, that Christ will come back, the dead will raise, and those still living will be like caught up in the sky and be with him. And so that's the idea of like this joy. Rapture means like joy, excitement, that we living on the earth will be taken up into the sky and meet Christ there. And so different Christians have different opinions on this. They're like, some are like, eh, it's not really literal. Some are like, no, it's really literal. Like we'll, we'll fly up and meet with Christ literally in the air. Um, and hopefully you're not in a building at the time or else you hit your head. Um, and some Christians are like, well, it's a spiritual thing that'll happen. Or this idea, well, the, some Christians are like, they don't really believe in the rapture per se because they would say it's all a part of this end. Christ comes back, one event, the dead are raised, the living are raised. So the idea of like um, pre-tribulation rapture, like the Left Behind series where like Kirk Cameron's on an airplane and like people disappear and their clothes are falling off and, and their rings are falling off. Um, where do, first of all, where, does, where in the world does that come from in the text of scripture? Where do you see clothes flying off and rings and tooth fillings flying out? Um, I don't know. Maybe it's in there. I, haven't, <laughs> I read the whole thing, but maybe I need to read it again. Um, Anyway, uh, so there's, there's just different opinions on what that will look like, when or and if that it will happen, depending on your interpretation of uh, literal or figurative. Anyways, it's a, it's a not for sure. Cool beans? Cool beans. Okay. Uh, a couple more. Uh, this idea of a tribulation. Um, some people would say, and their interpretation of the book of Revelation is that tribulation already happened. Some people would say, no, a tribulation is coming. Some people would say, oh, there's, there's like a seven-year tribulation because it's time, time, and half a time. Somehow they get seven out of that. Cool. But it's, just, it's, an, it's an opinion. It's uh, not for sure. It's, it's a guess. Maybe a really good guess. But it is just a guess. And the, the rest of this month, we'll talk about big, different ways people interpret the end times. But it's all going to fall into the open hand. Now, we, can, we do know that there'll be bad times. I mean, Jesus himself promises us that. He says, in your life, you will have trouble. Um, Paul, when he becomes a Christian, God tells him, I'm going to show Paul how much he's going to have to suffer for my name. So by the way, um, anything you go through that is rough and horrible could be called a tribulation. There will be some more earthquakes and tsunamis, and there will be more tornadoes and hurricanes. That's just the, the, the sin and the death that is on this earth. And is it the tribulation? I don't, will there be a tribulation to come? Well, some Christians would say yes, and they'd be very adamant about it. Other Christians would say, well, maybe there won't be a tribulation, um, but maybe those events are figurative, or maybe it'll be localized to Israel or whatever. Um, it's, it's a not for sure. Um, cool beans? 
Um, the next one, Mark of the Beast. We've already made fun of this one. What is the Mark of the Beast? Will there be a Mark of the Beast? Some Christians are like, well, we should interpret the book of Revelation as it was interpreted at the time. And may, many early Christians thought the Mark of the Beast was the Roman coin. More about that uh, in, the, in the weeks to come. Other Christians are, no, you know, we can't buy or sell without this UPC code. And there's a big theory that the UPC code on the back of every item is the mark of the beast. How many of you have heard that before? It's just me that's heard that? Okay, lots of people. Sweet. Um, or the microchipping the dog thing is, is going to be the mark of the beast because every human is going to get one in their forearm or their, 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 their hand and their forehead. And so that's the mark of the beast. Well, it's not a for sure. And maybe the, the book of Revelation on that particular topic, um, the mark of the beast is mentioned seven times in the book of Revelation. Maybe it's a figurative mark of the beast. Maybe it's a spiritual mark of the beast. Um, just obviously different interpretations of that. It's, a, it's an open-handed issue. It's a not for sure. So cool beans. Cool. <laughs> We're getting live. Everyone's like, oh man, that's my theory. You're just, it's not cool beans. Uh, I thought that was a for sure. Um, one more that we often talk about is like this one world government um, that will happen before Christ returns. Um, it's usually pulled from one verse in Scripture, Revelation thirteen seven, talking about the beast. Um, who is like the beast? Who can make war with him? This horrible beast, whether it's a person or a spirit, or we don't know for sure. There's different opinions. But it says in, in Revelation thirteen seven that the beast was given power to make war against the saints to conquer them, and he was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. So this idea is like, oh, well, maybe the beast is a person, and maybe this person is given authority over every tribe, every people, every language, every nation. That's a lot of assumptions. It's like, oh, the beast is a, assumption number one, a person. Assumption number two, this is like a literal to come. Assumption number three, that this is talking about the whole earth. Um, And so, Lots of different extrapolations and lots of different Christians on different sides of how to interpret the book of Revelation. Um, is your head spinning right now? Yeah, mine, mine too. Let's, let's clear the slate and just talk about, um, let's consider this, the for sures for a second. This, the rest of this month, to warn you um, that a lot of what we will talk about for the rest of this month out will be different approaches to open-handed issues how some and others interpret the book of Revelation, how it's different from other people. Some of you will be like, yeah, that's my, that's how I interpret it. Um, And some of you will be like, that's not how I interpret it. I interpret it like this and we'll go over that one. Um, So in the the weeks to come, that's, it's just going to have a lot of open-handed issues. But I wanted to close today um, with with one of the close-handed issues, um, the, the one that we can be excited about as Christians. The resurrection. Um, it's not that fun talking about the end of the world as we know it. It's not that, and some of you even, maybe even like, oh gosh, there's a meteorite that's going to hit the earth. I didn't say that, first of all. But I said it's probably going to happen, given four billion years of, of meteorites circling <laughs> planets and stars and suns, that, that one of them will eventually hit us, kill us all, or the sun will go out eventually. I mean, th- this world is going to end. We're pretty sure of that. In fact, we're very sure of that. Um, everybody is, Christians and scientists, at some point, the world is going to end. But our hope as Christians is that there will be a new world, a new hope, a new world, a he- new heaven, new earth, and a resurrection even of the dead. Like this idea that when we die, um, it's not final. There, there will be a resurrection. There will be a life 
to come and an eternal life that we as Christians can hope in the one who came. Hope in Jesus, the one who was the first to raise from the dead. We will also be, be with resurrected bodies, be raised from the dead. And whatever that looks like, here's one artist's interpretation of, of dead, just an angel, angels and the Jesus and the and coming and there's like rainbows and clouds and look at it. It's like, wow, it's awesome. You know, the angels coming to raise those that were dead and now they're alive and how God will work that out. There's different artist opinions, different ways in which people could foresee that happening physically. But the idea that the dead will be raised, the the resurrection to come is our great hopes. I want to end with that and leave us with that. So let's pray. Um, Let's not be afraid. Let's not look at the end times with fear, but trust in the one who has come. So Father, we we pray to you now. We, We talk to you. We know your presence is here in this room. God, awaken us, aliven us to it. If we don't feel it, if we're we're sitting here and we're like, I don't feel it. I don't know it for sure. God, allow us to know it. Allow us to feel it. Allow us to experience who you are, your presence, your understanding of this great joy that is to come, that the uh, the resurrection of the dead will happen, and that even in death we will have something to look forward to, that we will be with you and be in your peace and be comforted by you. So God, we we praise your holy name. We thank you so much. We love you. And everybody said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Mill Sunday School podcast. You can find more information at www.themillonline.org.